good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain. Nutrition. Chewing. The. Fat. Podcast. Fucking satellite delay. <laughs> <laughs> Do these podcasts by a, by a Zoom episode. 72. 75, where have you been? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, who knows? I don't even know what day it is, what week it is, what time it is. I'm saying good morning to people at 5pm. I don't know what's going on. How were, how were the last three podcasts without me? Were they good ones? <laughs> <laughs> they were the best. I got to say everything I wanted. Top views. Right then, Joseph. What we're talking about today, we haven't actually decided on a title. We know what we're going to talk about for once, but uh, we've not really kind of said, I'd say, the links between obesity and the coronavirus. Yes. That's, you could tell that's that was a question with how high-pitched I went at the end there. I, uh, I just had a little look at the article you sent me, and it sounds like one of my titles. Why being obese can be a significant risk factor if you contract coronavirus. <laughs> Catchy. Maybe I won't for that as the title of the podcast. <laughs> anyway, we're going to delve straight into it because I think we had about 45 minutes of exposition in the last podcast. Like, probably ruined everyone's listening pleasure. Like, two nothing. So, um, yeah, just catching up. Oh, what have you been up to? Right. Here we go. So, the, a, a very strong link. Well, I say initially, I'd say with the coronavirus, COVID 19, whatever you want to call it, kind of kicked off. Lots of people thought, oh, it's only the elderly. It's elderly and it's people with underlying health issues like um, autoimmune dysfunctions and what have you are at risk and everyone else kind of felt a little bit bulletproof. But the more it's evolved, the more issues we've seen and the more kind of determining factors have popped up. And recently, or more recently, I'll come to my attention, what about you, Joe? Recently, obesity has become a massive driver and a massive risk factor. Yes, I think the thing I saw was they were saying that they'd moved it down from a BMI of 40 to a BMI of 30. So it Which is a huge from, difference, isn't it? It went from being obese to overweight, which then suddenly captured a lot more of the, uh, the population. Um, and it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I think, obviously, we can't impact ageing. And the, thing that, you know, the link that you sent me was saying that by their best estimates, that there's going to be a global pandemic within, you know, five, ten years. That is something they're expecting to happen again. So obviously, we can't stop people aging. You know, the process. You know, the process of aging is much more complex than the process of eating better and controlling our weight. So that was um, an interesting aside. That sixty percent of the population is overweight, and only one in eight people are metabolically healthy. So we can massively reduce the burden on the NHS, maybe avoid lockdown if we look after ourselves better. Yeah, I think the, the, the big take-on for me from that article, and maybe we'll try and post that link if I can figure that out, um, it said that if you were obese, and again, this is going so, we'll have a quick chat about BMI, obviously, because people will call bullshit on BMI. 
So going from 40, which is obviously very high, to 30, which is overweight, you know, the people say, but BMI is not an accurate, you know, measure of body fat percentage or composition, which is not, but it's general population. And, you know, so I'd say for me and you, we're outliers when it comes to BMI. So I'm not even sure what mine is. So mine is going to be pushing 30 easy. So I could be classed as overweight or even obese. I'm not sure uh, at the moment. But when you walk around the Asda, you walk around Sainsbury's or Waitrose for you, Joe, um, there's not that many of us walking around. The majority of people we're walking around with little muscle mass and lots of body fat. And that's why BMI is a useful tool for your general population. And that's what it's made for. It's not made for people who go to the gym a lot, who carry a lot of muscle. So it is, I wouldn't say it's accurate, but it's semi-accurate tool that people can use. I that's like just the, to go on. No, no, sorry. I, I like the fact that the interviewer, um, I've forgotten the gentleman's name, a doctor of some sort was saying that the, the issues are even deeper rooted than that and that one in eight people, so an eighth of the population are metabolically healthy. So it's not just that 60% of the population are overweight. It's that another, you know, an eighth would be what about, I can't think of it as a percentage, about 12%. So you've got another 30% of people nearly who are in the healthy BMI who are, are still unhealthy. Mm. So actually it's what, you know, one in eight people are walking around with this bolstered immune system. So even if you are, you know, a BMI of 31, but quite muscly, then you're probably still, there's a high chance of you still being in that unhealthy bracket. So I guess the, the take home for me would be, it doesn't really matter how good you are, you know, whether you're a BMI of 31 or 29, is that if you want to be as healthy as possible to avoid the, the pandemic, then you should take the proactive steps. Now, it doesn't matter if you've got a big frame and are carrying a bit more fat and that you should be a 29 instead of a 31. There's still more you can do to improve your health. And I think that that's where people should focus and maybe where the government should focus is that everyone should, you know, be working on these things and have it as a higher priority rather than, like you say, it just being something that the elderly are at risk of. Yeah, 100%. I think that's, I would say, we were just speaking just before this, one of the things that kind of not inspired this podcast because obviously it was going to happen, but something I've noticed, obviously, on Facebook, I'm friends with a lot of fit pros, fit spurs, fitness people, and there's a lot of kind of movement between for people going, well, why is the government, government not giving advice on to how to boost your immune system? Why is the government not giving advice on healthy eating? Which is great. And that is working proactively, like you said, for another pandemic. That is something that we need to work on. But right now, if staying at home and staying away from the risk of getting infection, that is a better, that, you know, that's the better idea. That's a better concept for right now because obviously, you know, you can make changes in your way you can make changes in your diet but it's going to take you know weeks months you're not going to feel that impact within a week whereas if you stay at home you're not going to get infected in that week ideally and they kind of <clears throat> excuse me frog in the throat i'm not dying um i was kind of saying i was going to compare it i was speaking to tanya about it and i was like saying that's like if there was if we knew that britain was going to flood it's like saying and the government say right everyone go get on a boat just in case so you don't drown 
and then people complain and go, well, shouldn't you just teach everyone to swim? Like, it's a little bit late for that. Yeah. What we need to do now is look after everyone now. So whether that's like socially isolating, whether that's social distancing, whatever it is, and then we can start working on healthy eating. Um, you know, and improving, just improving your chances. I did that video, I didn't know, I was saying like, is this not your wake-up call? Like, you literally have a better chance of surviving this virus if you are fit and healthy. Like, if that is not, you know, motivation enough for you to stop eating microwave Goodfellow pizzas, I don't even know if they do one. Joe, you'll know. I'll go check. <laughs> <laughs> go check my freezer. Um, but I don't know what it is. You know, it's such a wake-up call. Like, you literally are putting your... You, you are 10 times more likely to die from this if you have not been looking after yourself for the last few years. Wasn't that the stat? Is that the, that's the right stat, isn't it? I've just got... Yeah, 10 times. Yeah, which is which is absolutely crazy, isn't it? I think... Um, no, go and keep chuntering. I forgot my point. Well, I was just saying, because you've got, like you said, when it came out, it's like, oh, it's just the elderly and everyone felt kind of bulletproof. And people might be like, oh, yeah, I'm a little bit overweight. But, you know, I still got to... Uh, my Zumba class, I still do spin three times a week, whatever, like, it doesn't matter, you are at higher risk because of your higher body fat, yeah. and I believe it's down to the um, kind of excess inflammation that this kind of excess weight causes, and then obviously you get extra inflammation from poor food choices as well, you know, if you're having an Easter egg for your dinner, that's going to cause some inflammation, that's going to affect your immune system, that's going to make you more susceptible to contracting this and not being able to deal with it. It might surprise you then, that, um, or the, the listeners, that the guy being interviewed was saying that they should have more single-ingredient, unprocessed foods, and that now the clinical definition of processed food is something with five or more ingredients. It's almost like someone should build a nutrition system based around <laughs> Both around eating uh, and protein and vegetables. Just to go back to what you said about um, people kind of saying, oh, we should be more proactive with our exercise and that that's not the right solution for right now. Because you've got to remember what general population does and, and how habit change works and behavior change works in that people cannot do more than one thing at once on the whole. So if you say to people, you've got to stay at home and eat better and exercise, is people will then go out to Tesco three times a day and go running and they will forget that that immediate focus. And this is just because of how behavior change works. What's the book called? It's something like, the power of one or something like that where it says yeah. that if people do one habit they've got like a 60 to 70 percent chance of doing it and if you put two in it goes to like 15 percent. if you put three in it's less than one percent and that's why we're big fans of not overloading people because that's what you see when you see people trying to do too much it nearly always goes down the pan and you just have to focus on one thing at once so for right now that's the best advice and then once lockdown is over then the government can put forward more complex measures or a second measure for people to work on. And I think that, you know, there are smarter cookies out there than me and you and all of my friends on Facebook working on these problems. And Thankfully. Yeah, thank God for that, yeah. And people often think they know best, but they rarely do because, you know, we're, you're only a product of your environment, aren't you? And you can only see what's in front of you. So... The fact I've, you know, I'm only seeing the 50 people I'm friends with on Facebook and their lives and what they're doing. You don't have that bigger picture. You don't have the, the breadth of information to make decisions. You've just got to work on what you're told. Yeah, I think just going back to what you said there about like just picking the one, the one major thing, it's like spinning players. And you've got more chance of keeping one player spinning than you do 10. 
and it falls into that kind of that January syndrome where people want to do everything all at once and it you know it's always on its ass by the start of February no yeah. doubt you revert back to type whereas if you just picked one thing I'm going to track my food for the next two weeks and by track I've got my calories I mean you're just going to write down everything you eat and everything you drink that's a positive step and then you go oh, I'm going to drink a litre and a half of water every single day for the next two weeks. And that's another positive step. And then you go, oh, I'm going to try and have protein in four out of five of my, uh, four out of, how many breakfasts? Four out of seven breakfasts next week. And then you do that. It's a positive step. And you build up and build up and build up and build up and build up. So it becomes kind of second nature. It's just adding layers and layers and layers, isn't it? What I find really interesting with the thing we've just listened to is that when you do have expert analysis with stuff like this, is it just becomes irrefutable. So it stops being a thing of, if you look at a lot of the justifications that people, that our clients have for eating off plan, is it's things like, I, you know, I can get away with this treat or I deserve a treat or I need this treat. If suddenly that treat is something that puts you in a higher risk category of death and it's scientifically proven, you know, it's, it's that kind of, I think you call it a lightning bolt in the willpower research where it's like something, like there's a really defining moment and it's when you see people kind of lifetime smokers give up, you know, because something happens. And it's, there's, everyone's going to have their own tipping point, aren't there? And often we see people have this gradual accumulation of factors. And then they go, oh, actually, I was just speaking to a guy called Alec now. And he was saying he was out of breath tying his shoes. And he was, well, that was one of his triggers. Is yeah. that hopefully something like this can be one of those lightning bolts for a lot of people at once where they go, do you know what? This just isn't right the right way to live here this i'm not actually benefiting as much from these decisions as i think i am and i'm going to change hopefully you know we're part of that process with people and bringing this information to people where they go what in ten, uh, it, it what is it again it, it increases your risk factors by 10, ten times. times that's unbelievable isn't it and you know i if someone had said that to me on facebook i'd have gone bullshit when it's the guy the bbc sounds who's a doctor who specialises in pandemics and healthy eating, you kind of go, maybe I should take some credence in what he's saying. And it's that that message across the board, isn't it, that of where everyone's saying the same thing that it will eventually break, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, it's not it's not easy. And that's why, you know, you used to have people who, uh, you know, have diabetes, which is another risk factor and high blood pressure, um, who are at risk of, you know, like losing the leg but then they'll carry on the same behaviours because it's still not through to them. And that's why I'm saying I hope this is a wake-up call for some people that, you know, is your eating takeaways five times a week because you can't be bothered to cook or, you know, plan a meal or, you know, do some prep. Is that worth taking, you know, 10, 15, 20 years off your life? Because for me, I'd rather cook. You know, I'd rather spend 20 minutes cooking a meal and live for another 20 years. It's that thing you said when people talk about convenience food and, and, you know, someone was saying to me yesterday, they had a really good meal. They'd made something like skate and potatoes while their partner had fish and chips. They said, oh, it's just not as convenient. It never is going to be more convenient to be healthy. But the positives just have to outweigh the negatives and we have to look at the bigger picture so that we can't just live our life by what's the most convenient way to be. Because the most convenient thing for me would be to go on benefits and stay at home and do nothing. But it's just not how I want to live my life. You know, you can't just constantly yeah. hope for the easier, the easier route and the easier path because that's just, 
not how big things are achieved or how achievements worthy of recognition are achieved, I guess. It's lo- still, it's not looking beyond that. Is it? That's looking at the short-term gratification over the long-term gratification. Something I talked about in the um, self-sabotaging video that I did the other day. Whereas, yeah, it's not convenient. It's a little bit inconvenient. But you know what? Being fit and healthy is inconvenient because it takes time. It takes investment. It takes some effort. You have to, you know, think about the food that you're eating. You have to sometimes prep the food that you're eating. You have to cook it. Um, you might not always want it. You might not want to always train all the time. No, you have to train all the time, but you might not want to exercise. You know, Maybe. these things are inconvenient, but the payoff is fucking huge yeah. because you're going to be fit, you're going to be strong, you're going to be healthy into later life. You know, you're not going to have to have, you know, your son coming around at 60 to help you do something in the house. You know what I mean? To fucking paint a wall. You're not going to have to have your daughter come and wipe your ass. You know, these are th- you're investing now. I said this in the the kind of live chat we did with our guys on the Corona Combat, the weekly live chat. Uh, it's all part of the Corona <laughs> Plan, uh, <laughs> ongoing training and support and guidance. Um, I said the things I do now are investing in my future. So the more I stretch now, the stronger I am now, the healthier I eat now, it's investing in my fitness pension. I like that. Very good. You know, I mean, yeah, no, I'm investing in my future now. It's not just about kind of being big and, you know, strong and, you know, muscular. Um... <laughs> no, I, I, there's not like a I start hitting myself in the face with a kettlebell. Um, it's about investing in my future, and the things I do now will pay dividends later on. It's like I say, it's it's like putting money into in the bank. I'm saving up for later on. So when I'm in my seventies, you know, next next week, <laughs> the next month, seventies, eighties, and stuff like that. The things that I do now will have a direct impact on how I am then. Yeah, the the phrase that I coin. Uh, ripped straight from my mate Russell Brand is self-discipline is <laughs> self-discipline <laughs> self-care I'm hoping to be on his podcast to get sustained on his podcast <laughs> and, uh, you know he was saying you know he meditates daily he eats well he does Brazilian jiu-jitsu none of these are things that he actually wants to do but it's for that payoff in that if you're disciplined with yourself and you make yourself do certain things that you are the one who will reap the, the rewards from that and I think sometimes we see it with clients where they'll almost say things out of not spite, but just be a bit kind of like it's like it impacts us. And I think that's the thing that mm. it always has to get, it's good to get across to people is that it doesn't matter if you don't lose weight this week. You know, if you are eating better, if you're exercising, you are the one who's going to benefit from this. You're the one who will take the positives. Like it's really nice to be a part of when people do well, but it doesn't directly impact me. You know, you're looking after your health. And, and no one else is it's, it's that's what matters and i think that with our clients like so many of them are mums or fathers you know or, or grandmas or grandfathers is that that's and that's their main focus and often that's their excuse for and you know i do pause to use excuse their excuse for not being as focused on themselves but like you said what's going to be the long-term ramifications of that well you're going to be a hindrance you're not going to be able to play with them you're not going to, to you know you're going to feel unconfident in photos you're not going to go on holiday you're going to die earlier like i got i got one of my clients and i kind of scratched that a little bit and she she came back with those answers and it's hard to read it's hard to to say isn't it i think if you are overweight or obese to say i am not going to have as much time with my children and grandchildren because of these decisions it's a really rough thing to think about but if you don't 
then what's going to happen? It's, you know, you're going to be a victim. You're going to be, that's going to happen to you. You've given up your control of that situation, which is, which is sad and would be really unfortunate. And I think that that's why I really like the goal setting stuff that we do and getting people to dig deeper and look at the ramifications of their actions. Because it's not just one biscuit or one glass of wine. It is, you know, some of the words I was using the other day, like people have said to us, disgust, ashamed, embarrassed, humiliated, you know, sad, everything else, uncomfortable, unconfident. If you shy away from those things and you lose that motivation. Yeah, I just to follow on. Um, from what you say, you, a lot of things you get from people when like, the family is number one. 100%, you know, that's that's what they live for. And again, like, I'll coin your kind of excuses. But the reason, or the reasons why they say they can't do this and they can't do that and are because of their family. But really, if you don't look after yourself, if you don't have that self-care, if you don't keep yourself healthy and happy and in control, you're doing them a disservice because they're not going to get the best version of you. And this, again, this is kind of echoing what I said in the, in the um, group call yesterday where basically I went through my goals and then I broke down just why they're so important. And I said, if I don't keep myself as healthy and as happy as possible, I'm doing my family a disservice. You know, Magnus won't get the best version of me. Tanya won't get the best version of me. The business won't get the best version of me. Everything kind of flows from me being healthy and happy. And if that goes to shit, then the business will suffer. And then that means, obviously, kind of home life will suffer because there'll be kind of financial stress and we won't be able to do things that we want to do. And then... You know, Tanya will get a stressed out version of me that's fat with skinny arms. No one wants, um, you know, a less attractive version of me, even less attractive, even hairier. Um, you know, Magnus won't get that childhood that he deserves. You know, like you said, I might not be able to play with him. Uh, I won't be able to swing off the monkey bars with, you know, kind of him. So that's like the big investment for me my training-wise is, like I say, I realize that I'm a, an older dad, you know what I mean? By the time he's 10, I wanted to do all of these things. I'm going to be in my 50s. I want to be, still be able to do, I don't know, I can say cartwheels, but I can't do a cartwheel now. But I want to be able to do all the stuff that I can do. And that's why I said, like, the things I do now are investments in the future. And if that future involves a fucking pandemic, then I want to face it head on and be as healthy as possible, just to swing it back to the whole purpose of the podcast. Yeah, and I think <laughs> these, these things, you can kind of, it's a fork in the road, isn't it? Because you can either choose to, to change and to make a difference and then Magnus will be healthier and his children will be healthier and you can create that change or you can just continue, you know, I appreciate, I don't really know your background on that, but if people, you know, if your parents had eaten poorly and their grandpa and their parents eaten poorly and you continue to do so, then you're just putting your generations at risk, essentially. You know, if we want to look at the, the ramifications of our actions, or you can choose to put in the effort now and make it easier for your family. You know, there are things that my mum did which massively helped me to get to where I am now. It, ultimately, it took me just a big part that was growing up and realising that I didn't want to eat pizza every night. But, you know, just teaching me to cook a few dishes was something that put me on the right foot. And it's simple things like that where you can be a positive influencer or you can, you know, shy away from it. I've got a client at the moment whose son is, He's quite jacked, actually. He's 18. He's, he's a big, broad lad, but he's quite overweight as well. And it's treading that line, isn't it? And hoping that they get to the right point on their own, but also setting a good example. You know, she does a brilliant job from what I've seen. And it's really nice to, to be a part of that. And ultimately, 
you know, he's his own man. And if he doesn't want to get involved in that, then that's fine. But she's doing what she can to try and set a good example. Yeah, I think just obviously with him, because he's really young, he's almost, you know, like when kids are fearless because they have no sense of mortality. It's almost like what you see with some people with their nutrition where they don't want to face up to the fact that, look, you're 22 stone. That is not healthy in any single way. And the biggest change in people's health markers, no matter what diet they follow, whether it's fucking paleo, keto, slimming world, weight watchers, whatever it is, is by them losing weight. By simply losing weight, no matter what they follow, whether they eat vegetables or they don't eat vegetables, they track calories, they don't track calories. If you lose weight, you will get healthier. And I think people don't have that sense of mortality that this is killing me. And that's why, shut up. That's why I hope, I hope, I hope this is a wake-up call for people. I hope people go, I have, my choices that I have made historically have put me 10 times more risk of dying from this thing that if I was a healthy weight, that if I had no underlying, you know, health conditions that I could high out control over, I could possibly be able to tackle. Now, I'm not saying that everyone like, you know, me and you, we could get it and really, really struggle with it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you're giving yourself a better chance. It's like, you know, you cross the road, you look both ways. You don't just fucking walk out and hope for the best. You give yourself the best chance of going over that road without getting run over. So if you're a healthy weight, you eat well, you exercise, you're giving yourself the best chance possible to reduce the risk of dying from anything, basically, but especially this, it's pertinent. Yeah, I think that the stats from the, the podcast was something on the lines of 50, it's over 50% of the NHS's workload is due to nutrition-based or weight-based um, conditions. And it's mm. just, you know, how much evidence do you need before you start to, to impact those things? And yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's, obviously, it's very hard for people to do, but it's just taking on the, the steps that you can do. Taking responsibility for it as well. Taking responsibility and investing in yourself to do it, investing the time, investing uh, the effort, uh, and looking at the the bigger picture. Like you say, you know, not it's not just I want to lose weight for my holiday. Like I want to lose weight, so I'm fucking not a burden on my family, uh, and that's a big part of the kind of goal setting stuff that we go for. Is you know, and that we're starting to implement now, isn't it? You know, you have your month long goal, you have your three month goal, you have a six month goal, you have your year long goal, you have your ultimate goal. And my ultimate goal, I can't, you know, I'm not going to go fully into it, but it's like, I don't want to be that old guy who falls over on the bus because he's fucking not strong enough. You know what I mean? Shaz his hip. Um, I don't want to be a burden on my family. These are huge, huge things that are always in the back of my mind. And that's not to say that I won't eat some fucking biscuits and I won't have some cake and I won't have some pizza. I won't have a few beers. Probably won't have a few beers. Um, but to go back to what you said about Russell Brand, another great quote that I really love from uh, Jocko Willink famous Navy SEAL is discipline equals freedom mm. so a good 80-90% of my food choices are disciplined and that's not to say I'm eating you know, chicken and plain broccoli you can go to Instagram if you want to see a lot of my food choices but the sensible food choices you know I eat a lot of protein I eat a lot of vegetables I eat sensible amounts of food um, you know consistent with my training to a point uh, my activity levels you know what I mean kind of like my body composition never goes too crazy Obviously, I say, I often say, like, oh, I've got fat, but that's fat for me. That's not, yeah, that's not like 50% body fat. You know what I mean? I've gone up to maybe 7 or 8% body fat. <laughs> <laughs> gone up maybe 7 or 8% body fat. <laughs> yeah. um, but because I am that 
more disciplined with my food choices. That gives me the freedom to then, like say, go out for a meal and not worry about it. Get tapas, you know, a takeaway, have some cake because I have that freedom. So it's, it's having that discipline. Whereas if you just have that freedom and no discipline, that's when you, you're going to struggle. And that's when you put yourself more at risk of everything. Like just looking at the stats now, I've just pulled them up. 28.7% of adults in England are classed as obese. A further 35.6% are overweight, but not obese. So that's going to be into that 30 BMI. So, you know, you've got kind of like getting on kind of 67% of the nation there who are going to be at a higher risk due to their lifestyle choices. There are things that they have some control over. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there's going to be different things like different budgets and, you know, people not necessarily being able to afford to. I'm not saying you have to eat organic or anything like that, but there's lifestyle choices that you can make. And, you know, as I said to all clients, like you don't have to have perfect choices. You can just make sensible choices. If I go around to Joe's house and he's having a pizza party, which is, he's not invited me around to his house, to be fair, but we are in lockdown. Maybe afterwards, housewarming party. <clears throat> I can go there and I don't have to have, you know, a 13-inch stuffed crust, meat feast, sausage, <laughs> stuffed um, i can have a couple of slices of a thin based you know vegetable pizza or chicken pizza or something like that so i've still controlled my calories i've made a sensible choice so it's not just about having oh i can't buy i can't have perfect choices so therefore i'm gonna have this you can still make sensible choices yeah a phrase that i quite like is something might not be your fault your fault but it's your responsibility yeah and there's, there's all sorts of things that aren't fully controllable but you still have to take responsibility for your actions whether or not there were influencing circumstances you know if you go somewhere there's a, a stat in that thing saying like 75 percent of food purchased in hospitals is processed so that means there's 25 percent of food there that isn't processed so you do have the options it might not be what you like it might not be optimal it might not be your fault that someone else has provided food but it is your responsibility to take you know credit for your actions ultimately whether they be good or bad and it's like you know i like the idea that if you buy a car and it's broken you can't just stand there and say it's not my fault it's not my fault you have to deal with that and whether you know you've been raised brilliantly with all the you know fantastic habits and control or whether you haven't which is like most people it's now your job to work on that and i think one thing that i'd said in a bit of content recently as well was just accept this is going to take a long time yeah everyone listening to this will have over a decade's worth of bad habits that is not going to change forever. It's not going to change permanently. And it's not going to go away in 13 weeks. This is going to take daily effort. Sometimes a lot of effort. Sometimes a little bit of effort. Sometimes none. But you're always going to have times when you need to put that effort in. Yeah, and realize that it's not always going to become second nature. You know, we hear it a lot from people like, I just want to get to the point where I don't want to eat chocolate anymore. That's fucking never going to happen. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. Well, yeah, to. that's never going to happen. It's always going to be an active choice. You're always going to be faced with two choices. You know, like you say, you're, you're faced with two tables and one of them is full of kind of fruit and vegetables and lean proteins and the other one's full of donuts and cakes and biscuits and whatever. You're never just going to go, well, I really want to go to this one. Like you might go, you know what? I'm going to eat some fruit. I'm going to eat some veg. I'm going to have some lean protein and then I'm going to have a piece of cake. There's going to be that battle all the time where you might just want to go straight to the cake table. But I think to think that it's going to become second nature all the time is a little naive. You know, me and you can be testament to that. Like say, I've got good eating habits. You've got good eating habits. But we'll still eat shit sometimes and be like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you know, it still takes some work. And luckily, we've got the skills to see things, like say, in the future. So I can think, 
right, I want to eat this, but should I have this? And then I'll just see how I feel. And, and that's a skill that we've worked on. That's a skill that you've developed, you know, and that might be a skill that you need to work on if you're listening. Yeah, the ability to put it back quickly is probably the one that the fewest clients have, but the most need. Yeah, to not let it slip too far. Yeah, is slipping is part of the process, but it doesn't have to be a six-week slide. It can be a meal or a couple of days. Or, or three months or six months, you know what I mean? Kind of the, the, it's kind of sad. I was going to say upset, but more sad. When we see people who will come and they will email, they'll message the page, the Facebook page, or they'll drop us an email and they'll be like, so asking a question about the plan or, you know, what, what can we help them? And then you look back and you've had a message off them two years before, three years before asking the exact same question. You're like for three years, you know, you could be three years ahead of where you're at right now. Yeah. If you'd have just t- taken some action, if you yeah, just how stopped. Many, how, many weeks, how many weeks of those 156 have you been actively working on this? And I bet it's going to be less than 10%. You know, yeah. because people will try for a couple of days and give in for three weeks and try for a couple of days and give in for six weeks. And you just have to draw that line and say, and commit to your responsibility. You know, I, I do like that word of, I, this is how I'm going to be. You just have to take responsibility for all of your actions and, and be very definite with yourself rather than, this is one thing I see quite a lot that if I look at where me and you are quite good is that our word is our bond, especially with ourselves, is it will say, and this is what Alex did really well, is he said, I'm not going to go above this weight. So even though he'd lost a lot, when he went back up, he was very quick to go, right, I think it was like 92. I'm 92 kilos. I'm going back on it. And I think that the more, and people are very hesitant to be committed to stuff like this, whereas as soon as they are, and they're very definite with themselves, and they say, like, you'll probably have the same with a slightly higher weight than me. And if I get to like 105, 106, too big, now I have to pull back. Whereas if I just, if I didn't have that that committal, or that, that commitment, sorry, then I could just go and go and go and go and go and constantly tell myself it's okay. And that's why I'm quite a big fan of people not telling themselves it's okay because that's often the push that they need to keep going or get started again or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think yeah, I, to- I totally agree. Like I say, it's it's not letting it slip too far. And like I said, going back to kind of again the point of the podcast where I was saying like. People are complaining, saying, like, why is the government not, you know, teaching people how to boost the immune system and, and get healthy? It's because, like you said, it's a long process. You know, if you are trying to reverse 20 years of bad habits, poor behaviors, or poor choices, sadly, again, what we see with a lot of people who have a lot of issues is they'll get two or three weeks in and be frustrated with the progress that they've made, and they've made progress. But for some reason, they think this 30 years is going to be, you know, vanished within the first three weeks so it takes time it takes an investment and again it takes effort and that's why i think you know kind of like socially isolating yourself you know going to lockdown is the best thing because it's just damage prevention whereas you just go oh yeah you know what just have a fucking chaos move every single day and just go about your normal business people are going to drop like flies because people are going to get to a decent bmi in three weeks or six weeks so i don't know how long we've been locked down now i think it's six weeks in it um so yeah, he's realizing again, you're in control, you're in charge, and it's going to take time. I think one of the points the guy was making today was that that they could actually start to talk about those things a bit more now because if people, he had a, a bit of a stat along the lines of if twenty one days, isn't it? If everyone reduced their um, intake of processed food, that within 
four weeks, there'd be a marked improvement in mm. BMIs, blood pressures, fasting glucose levels. Um, what the other one was, but just positive health markers. And that, you know, we don't have to, like you said, you might not see the immediate benefits, but a lot of these metabolic advantages, you would see improvements on very quickly. Uh, you know, it comes back to the thing of they need to give out a clear message and the clear message is stay inside. But there's other stuff that people can do while they're inside rather than thinking, I'll just smash, you know, I'll just eat what I like now to keep myself comforted and then I'll fix this later. Fix it now. Yeah, start, start investing, start investing now. And that's, it, did, it certainly didn't blow my mind, but when this first started, I went to the Iceland food warehouse because I'm a fucking big fan of Iceland. And when I went round, picked up my chicken, picked up fish, picked up my vegetables, all fine. Everything's kind of stocked up. Walked past the pizza freezer, empty. Walked past yes, the Greg's freezer. Yes, yeah, Greg's freezer, empty. So it's like, you're telling me that you are hiding from a virus that attacks your immune system, basically attacks unhealthy people, and you are stocked up on pizza and pasties. Like, for fuck's sakes, what yeah. is... Well, it's not even what's going on because I know exactly what's going on, but it's like that is just so twisted. Like, just, yeah, people need to shift the priorities. And again, have a fucking pizza, have a pasty, but have it once a week, have it once a fortnight. Not together. Make it so, you, yeah, make, yeah, make it a pasty pizza. Make so you enjoy it, you know what I mean? Like, and then have that discipline to eat well the rest of the week. And then it becomes, a, you know, a treat. It becomes something that you enjoy and not fucking something that happens every single day. Yeah, there's obviously, you know, we go into this stuff, there's obviously a lot more to it, isn't there, in regards to the mindset piece, but it's just hoping that people will, will take the message and this might break the back of their resistance to eating well, I think. That's what I would like people to take away from this. Yeah, because I think, you know, there's, there's, uh, I'm all for people being comfortable in their body shape, like, you know, and same thing again, but I'm all for people going, you know what, I'm not happy, I want to change this, and that's cool as well. But there's a difference between, you know what, like I'm overweight, but I'm comfortable with it, I'm happy with it. But then you need to have the realisation that I'm overweight and I am putting myself at a higher risk of dying. Mm. You know, do I want that for my family or do I want to stick around for as long as possible? You know, am I comfortable taking 20 years, 30 years, whatever off my life because of my food choices, because they're more convenient than me cooking a steak, a baked potato and some broccoli? Yeah, it's the old obesity cancer adverts, wasn't it? They got people really riled yeah. up. Got people super triggered. You know, but what? no one complained when it was like cigarettes cause cancer. That's cool. That's that's your choice to smoke cigarettes. Okay, well, there is some level of choice. I'm not saying it's completely through choice because there's loads of psychological issues and stuff like that as well. Why people become obese. But as a general rule, you know, a lot of people will be obese due to their food choices, things that they do have some kind of control over. So you can get triggered by someone giving you a fact. Like, look, I'm just letting you know. It's like saying like, well, you can't tell. You shouldn't say that uh, people are 10 times more likely to die from the coronavirus if they're obese. You can't say that. That's fat shaming. No, that's fucking science. Yeah. Do, would, you, would you not want to know that? I don't know that. If someone said people who drive old silver Kia Sportages, Sportage, not Sportage, uh, are more likely to burst into flames, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to get a different car. <laughs> I'm going, to, I'm going to park this for something older. I'm going to sell um, it to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> some other idiot. Some other old man. Um, you know, that is a fact that I would want to know. I wouldn't be like, well, you can't tell me that. You're shaming old silver 4x4 montage owners. Um, so, yeah, I think it's that 
thing where people don't want to face up to reality sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, this is the kick up the ass for lots of people. This and if you're 90, one of them, this ninety-five minute them, podcast. Yeah, if you're one of them and you fucking need some help, get in touch. This is what we do. Absolutely. We help people. Yeah, change their mindset, change their relationship with food. It's not just eat this, eat that. You know what I mean? We will look and work with you. That's just why we coach. The cat emphasizes the muff. A muff? Pardon? Can't emphasize, I cut out, emphasize this enough. It's like we work with you where you are at on your level. So it doesn't matter if you've had 30 years of, you know, poor choices and poor relationship with food. We'll meet you right there. Or it doesn't matter if you do CrossFit five times a week and eat paleo and super strict and you just want to lose a little bit more body fat. We'll meet you where you're at and we can help anyone bold claim but true absolutely love it good yes happy you uh, yes i'm gonna go train i'm off to do my 500 swings and my 60 dips the world's most Ooh. boring workout <laughs> so, but i'm invested in my pension so there you go because i'm not gonna get a financial one from this job <laughs> right so thank you very much for listening guys please like subscribe don't forget to leave a review if you enjoy the podcast the content let us know it's always good to hear from um the listeners and if you've got any questions any subjects or want covering let us know that you can always email us drop us a message on the page or hit our personal profiles awesome right good night god bless i'm off to swing in my garden <laughs>